Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. I think one of the things that maybe it goes beyond a specific project is working on problems that it matters. It will have actually an impact, understanding the challenges and opportunities. Dr. Mina Sartipi at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga is working on a compelling project. Automated vehicles are not going to be fully deployed tomorrow. It's not going to be next year either. And the type of work that we're doing here are getting us steps closer to that goal. For several years, Dr. Sartipi's been studying how we move through the world. That has been our promise, and we will keep that promise. No video is being stored. Everything is is processed in real time. And out of that, we call them object, but basically it's going to be, it was a person, a car, maybe a SUV or a sedan. That's all we know about it. This is... Tomorrow Town... Tennessee. This is the podcast that tells a story of the people who call the Tennessee Valley home, examines the problems we face, and talks to people working on solutions. I'm Josh Rowe. I'll be your host for this journey. Dr. Amina Sartipi uh, from UTC joins us uh, today. Your work is fascinating. I mean, basically, you're studying, for the most part, how people, whether it be on foot and vehicles, move through the city. I know it's way more complicated than that, but basically, that's, that's the gist, correct? True. True. So, Explain where that starts. Yes. So we started... Um, Four years ago, actually almost five years ago, understanding how the traffic flows in our city. It was mostly to make sure that how safe our streets are for pedestrians, for cyclists, for all modes of transportation, including vehicles, and how efficient it is. So that was the goal that we started the project. And we, as part of that, we built the testbed, MLK Smart Corridor. It has been up and running for a little bit over four years now. And it's a mile and a quarter of the road, uh, which is next to the building that we are now, MDRB, Multidisciplinary Research Building. And it's 13 intersections. There are smart intersections. We have deployed several sensors, computing capabilities. So we have edge computers there that are all connected to the fiber. Through the fiber, come the data comes to this building. We have a data center downstairs. The data is being processed. And also we have different wireless communication capabilities. So we have been using that basically to see that 
how and uh, this is a kind of like a representation of our whole city. It has bike lane, it has central lane, it has car charging stations, it has um, so all those different things. And because part of it is downtown and businesses, there's more um, traffic in terms of people and, and cyclists going on. So that's how we have been trying to understand what is really going on and in terms of pedestrian safety and traffic flow, energy efficiency and all. Now, all of this, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, is in some way connected to the future idea of when we are in autonomous vehicles, et cetera. That, that's, that's, that's the part of it. Is, is that accurate, first of all? It is, but, and, but it's going a little bit maybe beyond that as well, that we call it connected vehicles or connected autonomous vehicles or like connected infrastructure. Some of these cases are what if, if a driver, a car with a regular driver or an autonomous vehicle didn't see it, but the camera on the intersection saw it. Mm -hmm. Another vehicle saw it. Another vehicle saw that there was a black eyes, a pothole, a pedestrian crossing an undesignated area. That information can be communicated back to your vehicle if it's autonomous or if it's not, if it's the newest car with the connectivity or not. But in all those cases, how can that extra information help the driver or the vehicle to make better decisions, to make the streets safer for all? So it will help with the autonomous because even today you hear this about in case of some auto automated um, vehicles that comes in different levels. Um, and then in, in the levels that are getting more closer to fully automated, some of the like the left turn might be an issue, for example, because the, the vehicle might not perceive like that. So those are the things that we can see that how connected infrastructure, the one we have, can help because it can add to what the vehicle or the driver can see. Right, right. So tell me this, right? So, so we hear these things and we know that there is a future out there that this exists, but from in practical terms, we don't live that way today. How difficult is that connecting the, the now and to, to, to the then when we all know this technology is out there, but we don't live that way. So how do you, how do you make yes. those connections? Great question. So basically what we see is like, you know, automated vehicles are not going to be fully deployed tomorrow. It's not going to be next year either. And the type of work that we're doing here at UTC in collaborations with the city, with other universities and research labs, are getting us steps closer to that goal. Because we are actually testing these things in a real environment, in a safe environment, to see that what are the steps, what are the things that we need to ensure that it's there before these things are being deployed. Yeah. So this kind of like this type of research is um, filling that gap because for the longest time there was like pilot studies going on. And to really make this a reality, this needs to happen in large scales. And that's one of the things that we say the vision we have for Chattanooga is being a city scale testbed for future of transportation in terms of automation, connectivity, electrification. So how can we actually really test these things, see these things in a city scale and see that where are the things that we can work on and improve the efficiency and safety? It's a great point. You have a, a mile and a half stretch. We all know, I don't know how many how many miles of road there are in America, I have no idea. Um, but you, you're looking at it in a very yes. small, absolutely, a small yes. scale yes. way to try to apply it to, like you said, yes. city. This probably is not, not coming to play in a rural setting. So, so this, this is probably more, more city mm -hmm. um, re related. Um, but, but with that, how much do you feel like that, that does tra you know, translates to 
this city as a whole, yes. and then to say a, a much bigger city like Atlanta or Chicago or somewhere like yes. that that you're trying to move around. How do you how do you see that comparison? So there are two things that I can answer it maybe from two different perspectives. Yeah. One is we are expanding it even in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. So Highway 27 is part of it is being uh, now with the city and EPB partnership. It's being we're adding more smart poles to add to bring in more data from there. And that would enable us to test like, you know, um, lane changing, uh, merging and uh, ramps and, and such. But in addition to that, a uh, good portion of downtown, 100 intersections in total in probably two years would be fully connected and fully smart intersections. So we are working on adding and increasing our footprint. But in addition to that, we're actually working with some other cities as well. Hmm. We're the university lead uh, with city of Nashville that they have received a fund from USDOT that they are going to be adding some interse smart intersections in Nashville to, for pedestrian safety, or we call it vulnerable road users. We are used beyond just pedestrians, scooters, cyclists, and everyone, basically, um, that is not in the car. And um, so those are also like, you know, we are the ones that are going to be working with them in terms of deploying that technology there. And that is our goal is lesson learned here in Chattanooga can be used for other cities as well. And part of it is even when we look at our expansion, we are using what we have learned. When we built the MLK, some of our, we deploy several different technologies because we didn't know which one's gonna work. You know, they are depending on the weather and something that works here might not work in Chicago. We don't get snow here, they get snow. Right. But we get really, really, you see it, like the rain, when the shower comes, sure. like, you know, so that is a different than and somewhere else in sunny Florida. So these are all the things that when we deployed our sensors, we had that in mind that let's have a, like a lot of different um, combination of sensors that we can also check for different weather pattern for different for the night and like the, the way the sun hits it like you know it, it would might impact the lidar it might impact the camera and all of those yeah you can host the best backyard barbecue when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Explain, you mentioned this, the expansion, and I think it was announced in January, early this year, late last year? Late last year, Late yes. last year. Yes. And so... With that, like you said, you, you started with a mile and a half, and now you expand, I think, to more than 100 intersections? More than, yeah, well, yes, a few more than 100, yes. So explain that, kind of like where, where that goes, what do you hope to learn by doing that, et cetera? So that project, in beyond just obviously deploying these sensors, we call it nexus of transportation, energy, and people. 
-hmm. And that is where we're also bringing EVs to the game because a lot of times this range anxiety that we talk about is a real deal, is a real thing that people are afraid about the EVs because of like, you know, how much more can I go and sure. where should I go charge? Where are the available charging stations? You pull into the charging stations, are they available? Do they really work? Is it really the kilowatt hour that they tell you? Is it really there? Because there's a demand on the grid. You know, and maybe they wanted to give it to you, but if the demand is high, it can happen because then the grid is going to be unstable. So the work that work is with the city and EPB city is actually the lead on that project is to bring EVs from the grid perspective as well, the surge analysis on that as well. So the goal is for us when we deploy that to understand real um, time traffic management system there, reroute the traffic as needed um, to be able to say that, um, optimize traffic controllers and then say that, okay, this person with this um, much charge left and this is the need for the rest of the day, it might be better to go an intersection or two blocks down and get somewhere else that might be cheaper, might be slower, might be faster. So bring the aspect of the people into that as well. Yeah, I want to talk more about kind of the reality and the fears and those things yes. in a second. But let's talk about this. I think this is part of the fears when you're talking about monitoring people moving through the city, right? Um, I know that you guys have taken steps that, that like when you look at the data, you can't tell who that person is. Ex ex explain the, the, the steps you've taken to make sure that this is, uh, when you're studying this, it's, it's very anonymous. You don't know who these, these people are moving through no, intersections. Absolutely, you're right. So before we did any deployment of sensors, this was the project was approved August or July of that year. No sensor was deployed till March of the following year. All that part was done for community engagement. Dr. Chandra Ward, who is an urban sociologist here at UTC and one of our PhD students, they did a lot of focus groups, surveys, interviews to understand what, like from citizens' perspective, what do they see as a need or challenge? What do they see as privacy issues? Or Because we didn't want to deploy a camera and somebody comes and says, what is this camera doing here? So as part of that, that has been our promise and we will keep that promise, no video is being stored. Everything is, pro is processed in real time. And out of that, we call them object, but basically it's going to be, it was a person, a car, maybe a SUV or a sedan. That's all we know about it. And then everything else is gone. We don't store that, so we won't be able to go back and look what, but we would be able to built that in a simulation environment. It's like a cartoons. We put like cars there. And then we what we do is we go back and run a simulations that say that, okay, so if, if traffic controller was two seconds longer in red, how would that impact the traffic? We get the real-time traffic from the test bed, but what we see is just a bunch of cars and a bunch of people. But that's it. It's like a really, really, truly like a cartoon type of thing. And we work in that digital twin of the test bed. And there's no one, like, it has been our promise, no, no ident personally identifiable information is stored. And, um, you know, I always say I work here, I pass by this um, corridor all the time. It's not just that, I'm, like, you know, we are a company here doing, collecting data and doing research. This is where we live. This is where my kids go to school. This is where I work. So it, this is like, you know, we take it really seriously. Right. Yeah. And it's a concern for people. You know, I, I know that. Do, do you hear a lot of pushback or questions around that, 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 that idea? You know, I think one of the things that I'm learning every day as well is there are terminologies that we use in a scientific way is different than what it really means in a day-to-day -day language. You might hear me in one of the conferences, I say we monitor mm -hmm. or we track, but the track there means that 
it's just tracked from a frame to another frame. This is the same object, not that I'm tracking Mina through the corridor. So when you like when you translate the track from the scientific field, when we are talking about machine learning and computer vision, is a very different. And I'm tracking Mina. I have a GPS on her, seeing where she is going. And I think some of that might have, and we are trying to do a better job there with like. But uh, we have heard, but there are also people that we have shown that this is what we are really collecting. That you nobody knows what really is going, but we understand that the length of the queue. At that time of the day, there was like, there were 10 cars waiting and there was no other car crossing. Right. And that we see it as an issue that we say that, okay, how can we optimize the traffic controller better? That's all we know, but I don't have no idea who were those 10 cars were or what type of car was it. We don't know any of that information. That's probably a great thing to keep in mind for all of us across the board, right? right? Sometimes terminology means something different to me than someone else. And, and a lot can be, uh, you know, believed or, or read into things that maybe you never yes. intended. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, like, for example, we have heard about LIDAR. Mm -hmm. Like, and LIDAR data, that's one of the things, actually, reasons we deploy LIDAR. LIDAR, you can't see anything. It's literally a box. You can't even say it's a car or it's just a box. Based on the length of the box, we say it's a car or a truck. That's it. You see a rectangle. Because it, it basically what it does is reflect the light. And based on that, we are saying that, okay, like what is the speed or that? And you hear that like, okay, LIDAR is being used. We can track them or no. That was the reason we actually did move from like add uh, LIDARs in addition to cameras because again, there's no identifiable information. We do take that very seriously. Yeah, let's talk about some of the concerns around just EVs, right? mm -hmm. just, just, just and, and, and that, that, that realm of, of the idea, right? A lot of people are very excited about the technology, but we also realize the infrastructure that uh, would make us feel at least safe enough to, mm -hmm. to you know, take, take the money I earned and in, in, in you know, invest in, in, into vehicles or whatever, however that, that looks. How how do you see that? Because I think that is a big concern just across the board. Because there's some folks who are like, I'm all in, let's just go now. And it's like, whoa, we can't, you know, th there are some uh, some reasons that we can't just all of a sudden flip a switch and and, and we're all driving, ele driving electric vehicles now, right? Yes. So there are, I think there are a couple of things we can look into that. One is really understanding that the need is beyond, we can't always say that everyone can charge at home at night. Right. Well, that is actually, that is a very true model for, for many people, but at the same time, many people do not have garages that they can charge their cars. And like, you know, the um, uh, multifamily buildings that are being built, sure. they're not actually charging stations or currently they're not adding enough charging stations to those things. So when we are looking at infrastructure and where the charging stations needs to be, that needs to be studied well to understand that where are the needs and making sure that these are everywhere. You know, in all neighborhoods in the city, we need to have enough charging stations for those that they would be able to charge at any time of the day, including the night. The other thing is about the safety of the, and I think that is being more visible. There was a study that actually mentioned that there are fewer female driving EVs because of locations of some of the charging stations. Mm -hmm. They don't feel safe necessarily at night to go charge on location. So these are the things that, and I think that's, that's the, beauty of working in this area is you need to bring a lot of different disciplines to work together to do this type of research and understanding of it. This is not just the double E, the electrical engineering or computer science or another type of like 
it needs to bring psychologists to the table. You need to bring social scientists to the table to understand and, and including people involved from the beginning, ev like, like basically a good sample of everyone to understand the need and being able to address that. When we are talking about infrastructure and adding these charging stations, we see that more and more charging stations are being added. And when you travel long distances, it's becoming more realistic that, okay, I can, I can drive longer distance and it's, but we need to make sure that all of these things are being addressed, that we make sure that everybody is having that peace of mind when they are driving their EV. Yeah. I know that you've, you've probably answered uh, some of this, of this question along the way. I know you have actually, um, but you take your, your entire, um, period of, of, of research here over the last five, six years, um, what do you feel like the, the takeaways are that, that, that stick with you that, that okay, this is important, this, this matters, this, this is the thing that we need to make sure that people understand? How, how you, how you, what, what are you learning there that people need to understand at this point? I think one of the things that maybe it goes beyond a specific project is working on problems that it matters. It will have actually an impact. Understanding the challenges and opportunities. I think that's a really important for a lot of us researchers. I used to do theoretical research. I, all I need was a fast computer and a math book probably. That's all I needed because that's what the work I was doing. But when you see that there are so many opportunities that actually there are specific problems and each city might have a different challenge on that, that you would be able to collaboratively within the universities and with, with, with the city and municipalities, different entities, that you can actually do a meaningful work. And the things that we have discovered uh, throughout some of these research that we have done is the community engagement. I can't tell you how important that is because it's it's both from the, t from the defining the problem and also coming up with a solution that can be deployed so the city and municipalities can deploy it, but it also will be adopted. Because if you come up with solutions that they, but people would not care or would not adopt, then the, the work would not have any meaning. Yeah. I think it's kind of like looking at it, that closing the loop. But this is the challenge. This is the solution. And then are we actually closing the loop? Or is this something that we did it for a year and, okay, good, papers has been written and that's it. And we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Before I let you go, I think just listening to this 20-minute conversation or however long we've been going here. Um, people are going to have more questions. They're going to want to yes, learn do. more. Where can people go to learn more about this research or, or kind of the ideas of, of kind of where, where you're going with this stuff? So uh, one thing that maybe I didn't mention was the uh, UTC has established a new research institute, UTC Research Institute. So if you go to, like basically, if you Google UTC Research Institute, there would be links to our projects, both in terms of transportation that we talked about and also the quantum initiative that UTC has, um, that you will be able, like everyone would be able to get more information. And my email is there, but I can also say it, mina, M-I-N-A dot S-A-R-T-I-P-I at utc.edu. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Oh my God. So that, that's a, a broad invitation. If you have yes. questions, just email me. I'll be me. happy to, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So how much of the research is do, do you post for public consumption as far as that goes on, on those on those links? Uh, we, po we post a lot of our, like, basically our work. Um, of course, some of them, if we are, haven't been published yet, but those would be more very scientific and detailed. Sure. So those would be like, there are, there are researchers or faculty members or students from other universities that reach out to us because they want to understand more about the algorithm. If we haven't published it, we say that this part, I can't enclose it yet, but I will let you know when, you know. When we will, when it's published, but other than that, the actual work uh, there is a lot of information on our website that 
everyone can see about from the test bed, from the data, from the type of data, the type of sensors. And uh, yeah, there are quite a bit of it is there. All right, Dr. Mina Sartipi, thanks for your time today. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Dr. Mina Sartipi for taking time to share with all of us her thoughts on this research. And if you found this conversation valuable, please follow the show and leave a comment on any platform where you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening to Tomorrow Town, Tennessee. This podcast is a production of News Channel 9. Fox Chattanooga, and Sinclair Broadcast Group Chattanooga. We hope you join us again real soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.